Hey, CityCast listeners. Houston's Hispanic heritage runs deep. It's rooted so far into our history that we may not even realize how essential it's become to our everyday lives. But don't worry. U of H history professor Raul Ramos is here to tell us just how deeply the culture is woven into the fabric of Houston. It's Tuesday, September 27th. I'm Carleon Jones, and this is CityCast Houston. When we think about Texas traditions, I think we typically overlook um, the big contributions that Latinos have made to Texas. Um, What are some simple everyday things that you feel like people don't realize deprive from Hispanic heritage? Well, first of all, this is Hispanic Heritage Month, and uh, it's a time when we reflect on not just contributions, but really how uh, Latinos, particularly the Mexican, Mexican-American community has impacted our region. And, and really, I think beyond the impact really makes up an integral and significant part of the, of the community. So mm-hmm. what I think is important to recognize is how Latinos are somewhat in the background, but yet it's that background that makes this place what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think, you know, to ask folks in Houston in particular to to think, you know, what would this place be like without Latinos? And it would be radically different. Uh, I like to joke, it would be Alabama with oil. No, no disrespect to Alabama, but that that's, <laughs> uh, you know, what makes this place what it is, is our community. Our culture is everywhere. You know, I don't know anybody who ha- hasn't either been to or seen a quinceañera, for instance, right? The, the yeah. sort of 15-year-old uh, coming-of-age uh, celebration. And, you know, you look at the court, at the uh, the chambelanes who participate in the quinceañeras, and they're not just Mexican. You know, it's, it's a community celebration. And that's what makes a Hispanic community open, it makes it participatory. It's you you walk in and out of it. You don't even know when you're doing it in some ways. That's how ingrained it is in, in our community. You know, even our landscape, the way we look at our urban landscape is Latino. You drive mm-hmm. down navigation, drive down Harrisburg Road, uh, even Long Point, right? Mm-hmm. These are Mexican communities. These are Latino communities. And it's part of our urban fabric. Uh, you know, I think when people think of Hispanic heritage, the first place they go to is Mexican food, of course. Mm-hmm. And and certainly that's unmistakable, but even that's become part of our daily lives. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you leave Houston and you realize outside of Texas, folks don't eat breakfast tacos every morning. You know, that is a shock, you know, for, for some, some of us. Yeah. We become accustomed to that as we should. And this is the moment where we're recognizing and, and at least raising awareness of that, of how integral we are to to the Houston uh, culture. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, is that I know a lot of Latinos are looked at as immigrants who kind of just contributed to the making of our state without people knowing the history of Texas and the wars that happened here. Um, a lot of people don't realize that it's more so of a foundational aspect to Texas. How do you take this? What do you think about this? One of the challenges I feel when I'm asked what are the contributions that Latinos make is that 
contribution feels like uh, you're bringing a dish to the potluck, right? And in this case, mm-hmm. you're the table, you're the room, right? It's it's everything. Mm-hmm. Historically speaking, this was Mexico. W- one of the ways I like to frame history is by saying, you know, when you celebrate Independence Day, most folks look at July 4th, right? Fourth uh, of July, that's our Independence Day. Well, Fourth of July, 1776 took place somewhere else. Mm-hmm. In 1776, where we're sitting here in Houston today, was not part of American independence. This was Spain in 1776. It, yep. Independence for Houston should be celebrated on the uh, on 16th of September, on the 16th of September, 1810, when Mexico declared independence from Spain. That was when Texas became independent from Europe. Mm-hmm. July 4th was imported to Houston. When American immigrants came to Texas and immigrated to Mexico, they brought July 4th with them. And it gives us a sense of how the transplanted American culture and the transplanted American history has uh, made its way to become the dominant culture. Uh, Again, as it should, we're in the United States, uh, this is America. And in that 170 years uh, since that American migration, Mexican community has, you know, was here, has always been here, continues to be here, continues to grow both uh, by uh, marriage and intermarriage. It's a growing community and one that uh, continues to grow here in Houston with those original roots, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's always been here. It's always been uh, present. Now, now it's uh, becoming, at least demographically, the largest part of our, of our region. Yeah. What about some major contributions from the civil rights movement I know that when we look back on history, some people might think of civil rights movements as only the African-American community, but Hispanics had their own personal civil rights movement. So what was that like here in Houston? Well, in in Houston and in Texas, the Hano community, the Mexican-Texan community has uh, always looked internally to survive, you know, various moments of, of, uh, of, Terror. You know, you have uh, uh, or late 19th and early 20th century lynchings of Mexican uh, uh, te- Texans, Tejanos, uh, throughout uh, Texas in the hundreds, right? This is not just a, a, a rare occasion. Wow. And that's on one extreme. On the other end is the day to day segregation that Tejanos have uh, endured throughout the 20th century. And it's that segregation and those uh, contradictions that the Hanos were able to to raise, to to bring up uh, in uh, court cases. Uh, for instance, the the desegregation of juries uh, took place in uh, you know in, in the Hernandez case in Victoria, Texas, or in Gonzales, should I say, uh, mm-hmm. where the Supreme Court uh, declared that that Mexican Texans that uh, were being treated as a separate group. Uh, in another case, the uh, desegregation of of Mexican schools uh, became one of the cases that was decided right before Brown v. Board of Education. So, it it is very much part of the of the civil rights legal landscape as well as uh, the kind of political organizing. And I think a lot of that came after World War II when. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Mexican-American and, and other Latino veterans fought in the war and then came back home and realized that the, uh, you know, that, that those promises that they were fighting for uh, abroad were not being met uh, back at home. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, are there things specific to Houston that you look at every day and you're like, if Hispanic heritage was not here, this would not be at all a thing? Sure. Uh, we live in a place where uh, our our town names, our street names, our family names are everywhere. Right? So mm-hmm. and and our language is everywhere. And I think that you know, we're seeing that more and more in, in music and in popular music. We're seeing that more and more in uh, what is just considered American, right? That's the transition mm-hmm. that, that we're seeing here. You know, family support, a culture of going to parks, it, going to public spaces and going as families, going as extended families and, and really uh, being out and, and present I noticed it most when Houston opened Discovery Green Park downtown, and you would mm-hmm. see the 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 use of that park certainly by all of Houston, but but Latino families in particular really uh, support these public spaces uh, as as they do uh, you know throughout their communities. So I I think it's it's a it's not a hidden part of Houston. It's it's very much a a public part of Houston. Even with the Houston rodeo, right? We got rodeos pretty much from Hispanic <laughs> culture. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Sure. One of my uh, favorite moments every year uh, being here in Houston is the rodeo parade. And for me, the, the special part is not the parade itself. It's not lining up uh, downtown and, and watching the floats by. It's watching the trail riders come in. Mm-hmm. If you just walk down uh, Memorial Drive, you'll see... Uh, essentially cowboy culture, vaquero culture from mm-hmm. uh, all directions, from the east in Louisiana to the, to the west, the, uh, the other side of I-35, uh, to the mm-hmm. south and south Texas. And, and you'll hear music and language. And really that, that kind of trail riding and vaquero culture is very much mm-hmm. part of Mexican, uh, me- Mexican rural culture, me- Mexican uh, ranching culture; those traditions go back centuries uh, to the way that cattle were raised in a free range across the st- the region and across the state. You have mm-hmm. the um, cattle drives up to uh, Kansas City and St. Louis, or the uh, you know the 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 ranches that are that have generations of Mexican families uh, living on them. You know these these are very much part of of our Tejano heritage and our Tejano culture, and and of course the the rodeo itself, the word rodeo comes from Spanish, right? Rodeo. Mm-hmm. It's that. Mm-hmm. It's the literally the name of the ring, the arena where cowboys. Again, uh, vaquero vac, comes from the word vaca, which means cow, right? Where the vaqueros yeah. uh, demonstrate their skills and their abilities uh, to each other, really. Do you feel like Hispanic culture has reached a point of full acceptance currently, or do you feel like there's still a long way to go? There's several barriers, I think, that we we live through. On the one hand, you'll see that the number of intermarriages uh, where, uh, I, you know, I look at my children's 
classmates in school and and many of them mm -hmm. have one parent who's uh, Mexican or Latino and uh, and really the demographics of this in the next generation are going to change radically and are going to continue to change. What this is raising is how we think about race and ethnicity in the United States. One where, at least historically, we've thought just in race is a black and white. What, what are you? Mm -hmm. Are you this or are you that? Well, can you be both? Can you be more than one thing? Certainly, if we look south, if we look to Latin America, we look to not just Mexico, but the Caribbean, the idea of mixed race identity, of mestizo identity, is very much part of a centuries-long social tradition. It doesn't mean that there's, mm -hmm. you know, equality all across, uh, but it does mean that that there are mixed race identities that are the norm, that are norm, that mm -hmm. are very much part of, of the culture. And I think that's one of the contributions that we're going to slowly start to see that uh, that Hispanic culture is going to, you know, transform American culture. One where this idea that race is just black and white. I mean, you look at your census and uh, Hispanic is its own category, right? It's there's yeah. there's race and then there's Hispanic, yes, no, right? That's essentially the census saying, well, we don't know where to put this and we'll let future mm -hmm. generations decide. But, you know, that, that yes, no category, I think is going to become much more common as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And as we said before, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, how are you celebrating this month? And also, what are some things people can do to honor Hispanic heritage on the daily besides, you know, when the month actually ends? It just so happens my kids are the right age where they're going to multiple quinceañeras. So that just seems to be on my mind right now. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, in, in my own uh, mind, it's participating in conversations. It's it's raising awareness is, is one mm -hmm. thing we could do. Um, and, and understanding, I think, the ways that we tend to generalize uh, Mexican and Latino communities as foreign and outside rather than uh, integral and, and, and native, essentially. Uh, so that's, I think that's a, maybe a shift I would ask folks to, to consider uh, and, to, and to think about, you know, again, when we look at Houston and mm -hmm. if you were to take away the Hispanic uh, community, there would just be a huge uh, gaping holes in, in our social fabric. And, it's, and mm -hmm. there's not like necessarily a, a section of town where you say, well, this is Hispanic section and this is not. Uh, our culture is everywhere. And so in that regard, it's mm -hmm. going into these neighborhoods and realizing this is my city for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. This is your mm -hmm. city. This is, uh, and this is what makes your place, your city different than any other city in the, in the country and it really in the world. And I think that's recognizing that and, and participating in it is, is something that we should all be doing uh, on the daily. Yes, I agree. Raul, thank you so much for your time. Sure. It was great talking to you. It was great talking to you as well. That was Raul Ramos. Now I'm here with producer A.K. Almotman to see what else is going on around Houston. At the Texas Tribune's annual festival this year, Fairbank County District Attorney Brian Middleton clarified his statements from earlier this summer, when he and five other prosecutors vowed to not pursue abortion-related charges, saying he would review the facts of each case before making a decision to pursue. Although he did reveal that Texas's new abortion restrictions still confound district attorneys. In a quote during the With Conviction panel at the festival on Saturday, Middleton said the criminal justice system is meant to keep people safe. I don't think it's right to criminalize a medical decision. 
The panel, which included Harris and Kaufman District Attorneys Kim Ugg, a Democrat, and Early Nerval Wiley, a Republican, where they discussed the impracticality and resource drain the new restrictions have been on their offices. Wiley stating that while she is against abortion, criminal charges for abortion providers is, quote, concerning, saying, I know my personal beliefs, but I don't want to impose my beliefs on you or someone else. This battle has been going on since the 70s, and now we are taking it to a whole new criminality. She ended by saying that was unexpected. That's it for today here on CityCast. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. As always, we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, bye. Raul Womp, oh, I'm sorry. Raul Womp, oh, I can't talk this morning. <laughs>